Back when I was enrolled in Mayo Pack Junior High, then Mayo Pack High School, I ran for student government five different times. As a seventh grader, I lost the presidency to Jerry Tesler by a vote of 300 to 30. Then I lost the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and the next year. One time, in front of the entire class, I gave a fiery speech that robbed straight from Malcolm X. We needed to fight back. I was tired of this. I was fed up with that. When I finished, my peers gave me a standing ovation, chanting, Pearl, Pearl, Pearl. Then, when the votes were counted, I'd lost yet again, which allowed me to volunteer for the Chieftain, the Mailpack High School student newspaper. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of nine books and the host of Two Writers, Slinging Yang, the podcast where one writer, me, talks writing with another writer every single week. Today's episode features Joe Walsh, the former Illinois congressman and 2020 Republican presidential candidate, as well as the author of Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man he is. And look, if you don't love politics, this might not be the episode for you. But if you want to fight back against what's going on, hang on tight. And one note, Joe's wife, former Illinois State Representative Helene Miller-Walsh, appears at some points. Just so you know, it's her. This is episode number 144. Let's sling some yay. Dad, your podcast sucks. All right, so I got to say, Joe, of all the people on this podcast, this is like, it'll be about 145th episode. <laughs> if you said to me like a year ago, yeah, you're going to be sitting in California in a hotel room with Joe Walsh, I'd be like, no. No, fuck no I hated you on Twitter. I am very liberal. You're a conservative guy. No. I saw no way. And then... I just kind of came to appreciate, like I was just saying before, I'm not a Bill Clinton fan. I'm not I'm just not a Bill Clinton fan. I yeah. don't like the way he behaves, blah, blah, blah. And I can appreciate people who just are like, I know I'm supposed to be this way, but I'm not just going along with the herd. And that just, it seems like this is way off. It's generally a writing podcast. But I can, like, it seems like that has brought you nothing but trouble in many ways. Like you were this guy, you had this nice cocoon. You were, you were a very conservative Tea Party movement, radio show host, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This guy, of course, is just going to support Trump and everyone will love him and blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of a pariah right now. And is that sucky or great? I'm, uh, I, I'm hey, Jeff, and it's great to be with you. I'm kind of a man without a country right now because I had, I had everything set up. Uh, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I mean, I was told and pressured, support Trump on the radio every day. Uh, I couldn't do it because I could only say what I believe. And I think this guy is utterly unfit. It's probably one of the only things you and I agree on. No other Republican ran against him, so I ran against him. And I found out that was Mission Impossible. But I'm still going to do everything I can do to make sure he's not reelected. I always wonder when people run. Like, I remember when, when Anderson ran against Carter and Reagan. Did pretty well. Did pretty well. Yeah. And obviously Perot ran. And I always, I always used to wonder, like, do these guys know their odds are slim to none, but they're doing it anyway? Or do you convince yourself, I have a shot here? I, I, knew, I knew the odds were long, but I don't know how the hell you can run for president and not think you have a shot to win. Like, I wouldn't have done this unless I thought I had a little shot. Right. Was it fun or was it miserable? It was miserable. (laughs) But, you know, it it really was, Jeff. But somebody, I forgot the guy's name, some smart political consultant said, if you run for president and you really want to win, it's miserable. 
if you run for president and you don't expect to win, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, I, it was miserable for me because I wanted to win and I really wanted to hurt Trump. And I realized a couple months in that I was beating my head against the wall, that every Republican I talked to in the cocoon, um, it, 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 it was a cult. And, and I couldn't pry Republicans off of him. Not enough. Did you have a moment when you like the low moment where you're like, fuck, this just it's just not what what I want is not what's occurring. Yeah, it was like showing up at an event in Dubuque uh, when when like nobody was there. Uh, and I, we had like Dubuque, Iowa, like 10 or 15 Republicans that were supposed to meet me there for a little town hall. Um, but Republican consultants didn't want to work on the campaign, even though they hated Trump because they were afraid of Trump. Republican big fat donors didn't give me money, even though they hated Trump because they were afraid of Trump. We had a hard time, Jeff, even just getting Republican voters to come out in public to be with me because they were afraid that their neighbors or people in their community might know. See, this is a scary thing because this is not like we've never had where I can't support Hillary because I'm worried that Biden supporters are going to destroy me or I can't support whoever. And that like, we've never had that before. And it's a weird, it's a little, like it's, it's, it's jarring. It's jarring. It is a cult. You are probably more expert on cults than I am, but I don't know how else to explain it. I went to college when Reagan got elected. Our politics are different. Mm-hmm. I loved Reagan, but man, I criticized Reagan and, and Republicans criticized Reagan. I never remember a president that you are not allowed to criticize. I mean, literally, you couldn't criticize. The lowest moment of my campaign, Jeff, I mean, the absolute lowest moment was Trump did one of his stupid rallies in Des Moines, Iowa, about a week before the caucus, where he flies in and does his stupid shtick. Um, There were uh, thousands of people in line. So I went and worked the line. I talked to those people, the Republican voters. I'm a Republican. It was the most depressing hour and a half of my life. Uh, 40, I asked 40 people a simple question. Has Trump ever lied? Ever told a lie? All 40 people said no. It got worse from there. Most everybody thought Trump had built hundreds of miles of wall. They all believed Mexico paid for it. They didn't know how to explain how Mexico was paying for it. I had four guys in line, Jeff, told me, tell me that Donald Trump has never golfed since he's become president. It was depressing, but I realized then these people are living in another world. They're, they're paying attention to Fox News. They adore the guy, and they're never going to vote for me. So your book is called Fuck Silence, calling out Trump for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian comment he is. And you talk about the media, and you talk about, as a, as a Republican, having this distrust for the media, but not believing, not like never trying to convince people everything you, you read in the Washington Post, the New York Times, the LA Times, blah, 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 is just fake and it seems like people are actually starting to believe that the stuff they read is just fake. So, so this is where Trump's brilliant because he's a demagogue and he takes little kernels of truth and he blows them up. Um, the media generally is left of center. I've always known that. You've always known that. It makes sense. People who are left of center get into the media. So CNN, MSNBC, all of them, they're left of center. Trump took that little truth and said they're the enemy of the people. They're fake news. He turned just simple left-wing bias into 
um, something that's not real and something that that is literally the enemy of the American people. But again, most of his supporters believe that. Because there was a time when if something was reported in the New York Times, it would at least be accepted as news. And then you could debate what it means and blah, blah, blah. But if you convince 50% of the population that everything reported in these outlets simply is not true, then you have a real interesting problem. Yeah, and and, and take Trump out of the equation because he's an ass. But understand, Jeff, like why did Fox News even come into being? Because, again, people who think like I do politically – uh, know that 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 most of the media believes something different, and we didn't have an outlet. Uh, and true, uh, admittedly, people in the media, the CNNs and the ABCs, they never acknowledge that they have a worldview. No, everybody's biased, and so that's what brought Fox News into the world and conservative talk radio is ABC, NBC, CBS. They're on the other team. We don't have a voice. Fox News became their voice. I mean, you and I can still remember a time when the, you would get your news from one of three networks, basically, ABC, CBS, NBC. Yeah. And you'd get Rather, Jennings, or Brokoff, yeah. Cronkite, and you'd be given the news, and then um, you would digest the news. And it was pretty straight. The news was relatively straightforward then. You were getting the news from these anchors. I know you're going to say there was some lean. There probably was. But, but everybody's got lean. Sure. But it was generally straight. And it seems like the ushering of the 24-hour news cycle, which started with CNN, has changed it that now it is, there's not enough, there's just not enough to put in 24 hours. So now we have to start telling people what they need to think. And if we start, and now it's almost exclusively telling people what to think. And you have whoever, Sean Hannity and Van Jones and Rachel Maddow and everyone telling you exactly what to think. And it seems that's really fucked things up in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. Because um, it's a fascinating discussion, Jeff. People are not being informed. Their views are being reinforced. Right. Which is what you right, just said. Right, right. Totally. And that this is dangerous. So this now is, we're now becoming uber tribal. Like, uh, I'll tell you what, everybody who listened to me on the radio for six years, all they listened to was conservative talk and Fox News. They would never go near a CNN or an ABC or an MSNBC, which is really bad and sad. Yeah. Because we're all now getting different versions of what happened today. But you are, all right, so tell me if I'm wrong, and I don't want to exaggerate. Huh. You were kind of this guy. Like, you were... You said some things about Obama that you've sort of apologized. A bunch of people. Right. And you were a, you know, right-wing media guy. Um, Did you have a sort of, maybe awakening is too strong, but a moment or (laughs) something where you were just like, you know what, this is not, this isn't really what I want to be. Well, so yeah. So I was part of the conservative media world. Um, And I think there are two kinds of people in this world. I think people like Rush Limbaugh, and Hannity, who are just fucking entertainers. And they purposely lie to their listeners and their viewers, and they try to manipulate and entertain. I wasn't that way. I like I was a former congressman. So I I, I, I talked about the issues and things I believed in. I'd often go over the line because I just got too wrapped up. I wasn't entertaining. But I got caught up in the uh, saying provocative shit calling Obama something or calling somebody else something, and you'd get a lot of people calling in saying, yeah, Joe, you got balls. I got caught up in that stuff. Um, I think we all do, actually. I really do? do. I think social media is a kind of a drug. And How many retweets did you get? How totally. many clicks? I, you, I, I mean, a lot of this shit I've gotten in trouble for over the years are things I tweeted. Right. 
because look at all the retweets. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we continue with two riders singing Yang, quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my son Emmett, who just celebrated his bar mitzvah a few days ago. So Emmett, how does it feel to have accomplished such a big thing? To be honest, it's a bit of a letdown. How so? I don't know. You put all this time and work into something, then it happens, and 100 of your closest friends and relatives come, and then they all leave. And that's it. Would it make you feel better to know I'm proud of you? No. How about if I tell you that tomorrow there'll be a special turkey sandwich in your lunchbox? Your sandwiches always taste like grandpa hand. What if I tell you the new line of 503 Sports ABA jerseys are available at 503-sports.com and your Memphis Sounds Mel Daniels jersey will be here any day now? I feel like a man. You write a book and I'm about, I would say I'm about, you sent to me yesterday, so I haven't excuse. I'm about a hundred <laughs> pages in and I'm kind of riveted by it. Number one, it's interesting. The title itself, Fuck Silence. Now there's an asterisk there, but obviously we know what you mean. Are we in an age now where you, in a way, have to curse and be super loud? I mean, like, that's a good. It point. seems like there's a. I'm, I'm. I curse a million times. I've already cursed a million times in this podcast. Um, are there drinks delivered to this room? <laughs> this is a, some amazing service here. <laughs> Thank you, Helene. Tequila, Jeff. It's all I drink. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much. I'll be back. And food's coming. Got it. No, this is amazing drink. <laughs> it's great. Do we need to be like? Do we need to be like? Fuck Trump. You're a fucking asshole. Fuck like. Is it, has it reached that point? Well, I'm not criticizing you. I'm actually, I'm there. Like, have we I'm, reached that point? I'm going to answer it kind of like this. I think to beat Trump, you got to fucking punch him in the face. I, I, I think if the Democrats want to beat him, they can't like, they can't play nice ball. They can't like ignore him. He's a bully. Bullies are cowards. You got to punch him in the face. Um, I think, uh, I, I made my title Fuck Silence because I wanted it to startle people. Because, Jeff, I, I put my life out on the line about two or three years ago, risking giving up my media empire. And then when I announced I'm running against him, I stuck my neck out there because I said what I believed about Trump. Damn near every one of my fellow Republicans in Congress feels the same way, but they're scared to say something. So this was more a call to Republicans and conservatives. You can't be quiet anymore. And I needed to use a word that would startle them. Wait, I want to ask you a question. Huh? I've talked about this with my wife, and you are actually the first person who knows who I can ask this of. What? The vast majority of people who are, like, terrified of Trump, right, are senators and congressmen, Republican senators and congressmen. Let's just say hypothetically, Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz lose their senatorial seat. Like, they have money. They're fine. They're fine. Like, almost all of these people are fine. They get a lobbying job. They get a law law job. They get a teaching job. I don't even understand why it's so hard to man up. I hate saying man up. How how to stand up to this guy? Well, well, first, Jeff, power. Look, I was just a one-term congressman, but it's a cool gig. I mean... You really do feel really important. It's not like being a lobbyist or a professor. I mean, you you wear a pin, you walk around, you're treated like royalty, uh, and you're surrounded by, it's hard to give up that power. It's hard to put that power at risk. Um, that's one thing. But then guys like Cruz and Rubio, these are guys who want to be president. I mean, they're looking past Trump. That's why they're... I have yet to meet any of my former Republican colleagues who are afraid of Trump. And and really privately, most of them say what I say publicly about him. They're scared to death of his voters, of his impact. 
Like they they want Trump. A lot of these guys want Trump to lose. If you if you demanded the truth from Ted Cruz, he'd want Trump to lose in November, and then he can because they're going to open him up in four years. And and they know a lot of these guys, Jeff, know that Trump is killing the Republican brand. But it's crazy. They don't like well because they're, they're it is fear. Don't you end up a hero? Don't you long run? Isn't Mitt Romney a hero for this? Uh, I, I believe Mitt Romney will be viewed of as a hero. Absolutely. Um, he put country before anything else for whatever reason. Uh, and and I've, look, I've, I, I'm at the point now, Jeff, where I, uh, I don't even get angry at Trump anymore. He is who he is. He's a criminal. It's his enablers. I think history is going to destroy his enablers. And Republicans are going to lose this November, big time. You really feel that way? Oh, God, we're going to lose the Senate. Uh, we'll probably lose more seats in the House. The American people... Even though I think they're sick of the whole impeachment thing, they know what Trump did is wrong and they know that what Trump's, what the Senate did, not even having a trial, they're just going to quietly take it out on them in November. Absolutely. Is there, is there a part of you that's like, you're like an NBA player who gets traded and you're, you just, is there a part of you, if the, if the Senate turns, the White House turns, and it's a, it's a route in Congress, is there a part of you that's just like, fuck all you people, you fucking turned your back on me and you fucking ignored me yeah. and I was right? Um, yeah, because yeah. I would be, I'd be like, I would, I would. Yeah. Cause look, I'm not, I'm not a wealthy guy. And I just, I mean, I gave up my life six months ago and like people said, Oh, Joe, you did it for a CNN gig or to write a book. I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in three or four months. I have no idea. Right. I, it, history called. And I think history, history called Mitt Romney to do the right thing. I just want to say, I love when people are like, you did it to get rich for the book. I've written books. I'm, I know you're not getting rich off this. <laughs> I'm not getting rich off of that. And people, people who have accused me of doing like this was a career move. The easiest fucking thing I could have done in my life yep. was three years ago after he got elected, say Donald Trump is the greatest thing in the world and say that every day and say that loudly every day. I'd be one of the most famous radio guys in the country right now. Fox News would have me on all the time. I could have worked in the Trump administration if I had towed that line. Yeah. I'd be worth a lot. Yeah. That's interesting. But he's an ass. I can't say that. Yeah, that's good. You wrote uh, you wrote in your book. So you wrote, if I, if I truly believe that Donald Trump is a con man, and I do, then I myself was conned. I have to own that. But by owning it, I hope to lead others to the same realization. When did you sort of come to the realization? Because you, you, were, you were a supporter for a brief period yeah. of time. Like, when did you come to the realization this guy's sort of a con? I am guilty in a big time way of not doing my job in that first election because I didn't pay attention to him. I, like I, I didn't, I never watched The Apprentice and I think I'm a little older than you. I, I never paid attention to Trump back in the 80s and 90s, right. though you're a New York guy. Yeah. I never paid attention to him. And when he ran in 16, I, I supported Rand Paul. He wouldn't even my candidate. After he won the nomination, I didn't pay enough attention to him. After he got elected, I started to pay attention to him. And Jeff, I was blown away uh, by the fact that damn near every word out of his mouth is a lie. Yeah, That was like the first giant red flag. And that's where I really started to go south on him. And then, and, and then every day it got worse uh, to the point where finally in Helsinki, July of 18, when he stood in front of the world with Putin and said, I believe Putin and not my own people, that was the final straw. You, the one that I just I loved in your book because huh. it's, so I have moments with Trump where I'm like how like to me he I don't even know if you're aware of this like uh, 
9-11, he lied repeatedly. I think we talked about this on you social media. Uh, yeah. He lied repeatedly. He wasn't there. He didn't help out. He didn't send 100 men. He didn't donate 10. Like, you lied about 9-11 to raise it's your- almost the most despicable lies ever told. Right. And the one you, you wrote about in your book is the path of the hurricane, Hurricane Dorian. When you wrote, you wrote, let's put this into words that our founding fathers wouldn't. That's fucking crazy. It's unbelievable. A hurricane. Think about that, Jeff. That, that, this is what, like, like I call Trump unfit for two reasons. He can't tell the truth and he can't put the country's interest out of his own. So here's a hurricane. Uh, Americans in the Carolinas are getting pummeled. And what does Trump do? He makes the whole hurricane about himself about how he's being treated by the media. He redoes, he puts a, mar, a, a Sharpie on a map. He makes a hurricane about himself. It's crazy. Well, it's crazy, and then he lies about it, and he gets other people in his administration to lie about it. Mick Mulvaney and I are dear friends. We got elected together in 2010. I don't know how Mulvaney does what he does. He lies for this president. He made that whole story about himself a hurricane. Wait, so how do you, wait, you did serve with a lot of these people. Yeah. How do they do it? Like, how do you, I know you say you don't know, but how does, you're Mick Mulvaney. You know this is not true. You know, even more, you know you're smarter than this guy. Yeah. And you know you're more accomplished than this guy. That's the thing I couldn't get about John Kelly also. Like, you're smarter than this guy, you're more accomplished than this guy. Even Mike Pence. I'm not a Mike Pence fan. But, you're a better person than this guy, yeah. and you're more accomplished than this guy. Why do people keep, like, kneeling before this guy? If you know you're better than him. So, you're a sports guy. I am. Um... A number of Republicans have told me privately the following. Hey, Joe, I agree. Trump's a bad guy. He lies. He's, he's hurting the brand, all that stuff. But he's the cap coach of my team. I got the Democrats over there. That's the other team. Look, man, Joe, my job's to beat that team. I know my guy's a son of a bitch. I don't like him. But I got to beat that team. I've had a lot of Republicans tell me that. The other thing has been self-interest. Mulvaney's a smart dude. I think there's no doubt he got into what he got into for some sort of personal self-interest, like this gig, this position will benefit him down the road. Do you, um, I feel like one thing we Democrats do, not you, we definitely do, is everything is a catastrophe. Like everything, the worst thing, you almost choked on your drink, because I, I am aware it's true. We're doomed, we're dead, this is the worst. Blah, blah, blah. We're all going to hell. We're going to burn tomorrow. Climate change. Everything. Like everything is the worst and it's about to end. If he wins again, I have this talk to my dad all the time. My dad was a Reagan voter, but relatively liberal. My dad says, look, it's really bad. The democracy isn't coming to it. But then you hear other people say, if he wins again, who the hell knows where this goes? What says you? I'm more the latter. I'm more, and I think I say this in the book, will survive four years of this guy who is what our founders feared. But if he gets another, here's the thing, Jeff. If we reelect him, then he like feels like that's an affirmation of everything he's done. And this, you're talking about a guy who would break the law every day of the week. So I wonder if he's that unchained, I really worry what he will do to Real basic principles like the rule of law, separation of powers. Absolutely. I think it would be a catastrophe for this country. Yeah. I always read, uh, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the, the acknowledgments of books. Yeah. It's kind of the first thing I always go to and it's the first thing I watch here. Now, of course, I'm skimming here. Oh, here we go. And you wrote, um, this book is about speaking up 
about the imperative of speaking up, about having the courage to speak up, about speaking up even when you know that it will hurt you financially, professionally, and politically to do so. It's about placing country first. To this end, this book would not have been written without the courage of those who came before me who refused to remain silent and who spoke up against party, against their political interests. They should be acknowledged. And then you, you mentioned yeah. other people, Margaret Chase. Yeah. Uh, and Very you kind of go in this, you know, you, you talk about Jeff Flake, about yeah. Bill Crystal. It's actually funny we were talking about, I was talking about how you and Anthony Scaramucci have become yeah. two of my favorite That's funny. followers. And I, I do think one thing that Trump has done to a certain degree is it's like, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, Obama, he doesn't seem that bad. And I'm like, Bill Crystal, Bill Crystal, kind of George Will. I could not read George Will. I'm like, George Will, you know, hey, we agree. And it's kind of a weird marriage of, it's almost like my enemy's enemy is my friend sort of thing. Um, let's hope that uh, he's waking people up. I don't know if he is, though. That's one thing. Uh, well, boy, Jeff, if not, then we're fucked. Then we're done. If, if this is, again, I, I, I say this because I believe it. We, we, we revolted against the king. It's what founded our country. We have a wannabe king in the White House. If this doesn't wake us up, nothing will. If this doesn't get Democrats unified now to vote, there are more people in this country by far who oppose Trump than support him. Yeah. If they don't vote, if they do vote, Trump loses, period, no matter who the nominee is. If they sit this one out, well, then, then, then we deserve what comes to us. But hasn't Trump mastered the sort of beating everyone to submission where, you know, like you always, every other day I read someone saying, why are we not picketing in front of the White House? And it just feels like people are so exhausted. Well, and that, it, look, if, if the dumbass has a strategy, that's it, is to just throw 50 different things against the wall every day. Because I hear that every day. Look, when I was campaigning, Jeff, even most Republicans I talked to did say, it's exhausting. I'm tired by Trump. So yeah, that's what he's purposely trying to do. I would think if I was if I were Joe Biden or Mike Bloomberg or whoever, Amy Klobuchar, I would run on, I should not be in your life every day. Like Bingo. you should not be thinking about me every, it's insane. I, I want a president who I'll hear from once a month. Right. Even two weeks. I'll take every two once weeks. Once every two weeks. Yeah, five of that. Just, just, just check in. Let me know how things right. are going. That's all I want. Now, but you and I are laughing about that, Jeff. I actually think that would be a winning campaign. I do too. Yeah. You should not be thinking about me every day. It is insane. It is not natural. That's why, that's why in the in the book, I mean, I have a whole chapter on what a, what a malignant narcissist he is. Everybody who gets into this business has some narcissism in them. But my God, this guy is a guy who that's all he does and thinks about. Yeah. He purposely puts himself in our faces every day. How do you uh, how do you start writing the book? Like, what? How long ago did you decide to write a book? Why do you? Uh, so I announced. That I was running for president, I think at the end of August, mid-September, uh, a publisher came to me and said, I got a book idea for you. I know you're running for president. Will you write it? I changed the book idea. And then- What was the original idea for the book? It was, um, even though Trump's president, he's not a conservative, here are the 18 out of 19 ways he's failed conservatism. And I wrestled with that or a week or two. And I said, that doesn't mean anything. The problem is not the issues. Like I disagree with Trump on issues, trade and all the rest. No, the problem is the man himself. And so I shaped the book into, it's got to be about Trump, that he's a liar, he's a narcissist, all the rest. And then once I did that, once I knew the book was about the fact that his tariffs aren't going to destroy the country, uh, his idiotic wall isn't going to destroy the country. 
But the fact that he can't tell the truth will, and the fact that he the fact that he tried to pressure the president of Ukraine to help him cheat in the 2020 election will. Once I made the book all about him, it it just took off. So where do you uh, like? How long did it take you to do? Did you have help writing it? Or are you strictly a writer? Like wrote it, wrote it, wrote it, and it flew off in about a month, month and a half. Wow, seriously? Yeah, but it, well, it's not a long read. Yeah, and it it's not a difficult read. Right. And it, you're you're a writer. Um, I'm a beginning writer, but I, I write as I speak. So a lot of this a lot of this Jeff was. I'm an idiotic tweeter. I mean, I tweet 80 times a day. I went back into the last three to four years of my tweets and, and I, I like had a book written. You can see the evolution of my thinking when I was sort of half half-heartedly praising Trump after he won and then every week and month Maybe more than half-heartedly. We're having a three-way conversation. Like this one, which I can totally appreciate. But Feel free to chime in. Wait. When no, was tweeting, no. Were there ever moments where you were like, because my wife does this to me all the time, where she goes, why the fuck did you write that? I'd be like, oh my God, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, what are you saying here? But every week and oh month after he won, Jeff, I kept going more south on Trump. So you could see an evolution in my thinking. That became the book. Right. I had a book in my tweets. I have, a, I have a book coming out in a couple of months about the Shaq Kobe Lakers and, and the, uh, which is weird timing because Kobe just, absolutely. Died. And, um, there was a lot of talk about how Trump has just Trump books has, have owned the markets and there's all, there are all these political books out right now and blah, blah, blah. So like, how do you go about promoting a book about Trump in an ocean of books, you know, political on Trump and blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, what's interesting about this book, Fuck Silence, is it is it's it's proactive. It's I'm asking people to engage between now and the November election. So it's like a call to do something, to speak out and get other people to speak out against him. So hopefully that might that might resonate. How are you going about promoting it? Um, do you know what you're doing? Uh, well, I've got some help, but I really don't. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of this, a lot of guerrilla uh, promotion with a lot of podcasts. We'll be doing TV beginning the end of next week. Um, I, I had no, I mean, the publishers really don't do as much as I thought no. publishers would do. They do nothing. You have to be your own. I know. See, it's, Jeff is telling us. Oh, you tell us. You have to. You have to be your own guy, right? You have wow. to be your own pimp. Yeah. That's what I always say. Okay, so I've got, I say horror, but I've got to learn how to do that, and that's easier to do now with social media, than yeah. Twitter and Facebook and all the rest. But yeah, just aggressively push, and I'm going to do a lot of public speaking because this book ties into what I'm going to be doing for the next seven months, trying to get Republicans, moderates, and independents not to vote for Trump. All right, so how do we do that? I'm actually being serious. We know he's horrible. Nobody seems to care. No one who supports him seems to care that he's horrible. Uh, cheat on wife number one with wife number two with wife number three had an affair with a porn star 10 days after the birth of his son and then paid her hush money Meh. Obama wore a beige suit and got more outrage you're, you're right 35 to 38 percent of the American people don't care Trump needs more than that to win so there's that great ocean of conservatives Republicans independents and moderates who can go either direction or sit out. My target audience is them. I think the Dems are going to be energized and they'll come out. Uh, to make sure Trump loses, 
I'm going to speak and take this message to those Republicans, moderates, and independents who are not part of that hardcore. But what is the message? How do we convince people? We all know he's an asshole. So that's been made very clear. How do you convince people not to vote for him? The message is uh, threefold. Not only is he an asshole, he's a threat to this country. Who he is is a threat to the country. He cannot put the country's interest ahead of his own. The second message is, if you want four more years of just talking about Donald Trump every fucking day, then vote for him. But nothing's going to get done on climate, infrastructure, healthcare, anything. So nothing's going to get done on the problems the country's facing because all he wants to do is talk about himself every day. That's the one message that resonated with Republicans was... Like I would say, I'll give you a, a lot of the conservative stuff you want, but I won't get in your face every day. Right. I would trade. My what? dad and I agreed on this. We're both liberal. I would trade. If you told me right now Trump loses and I have eight years of Mitt Romney, even though I'm as liberal as you could be, I'm taking that <laughs> trade. Right? I'm taking the trade right now. I'm taking the trade. <laughs> At least the guy has integrity. You know? At least the guy has integrity. Is Maybe. there any Democrat that would scare you more than four more years of Trump? Oh, no. I would take any Democrat. In the right. World. You would. Yeah. Right. I'm saying I'm so desperate. You, you I would take. take I'd probably take Rubio. I'd probably take eight years. No, I probably wouldn't take eight years. <sighs> Romney, yes. Yeah, Romney. Romney. Yeah. Um, it's you. You got to get out, though. I mean, I'm just not saying you. People like yeah. you. Yeah. What if it's Biden and you're not excited? You you got to get out, whoever it is. I have people, Jeff, every day for the last four months and now asking me to run as an independent in the general. Yeah. Um, to try to help hurt Trump. Yeah. Um, I think it would help Trump. And I can't do anything to help Trump. If somebody could... Wait, why would it help him? Oh, going back to your sports guy. You want to beat him, right? Isn't the best way to beat him just a, a single mano-mano battle? You got one option. It's either the Democrat or it's Trump. Right. If you throw in a third option, oh, Joe Walsh, independent, interesting conservative. Then I think a lot of people... Uh, who would vote for Biden if he was their only option, well, I'm going to vote for Joe. I think I'd take away votes from a Democrat. Interesting. And I've seen a lot of that data. Right now, I'm not convinced that it would – I am convinced that it would help Trump. Interesting. Yeah. You can't have that. No matter. And by the way, it's no matter who the Democrat is. It doesn't matter. I, I, think, I think we need to just give America one choice. You got Trump or this Democrat. Right. And you've seen me on Twitter in the last week. I, I announced I'm getting out of the race a week ago, and I pledged as a Tea Party conservative, I will support whoever the Democrats nominate. If I can make that pledge, anybody can. Let me throw a weird one at you. What? Is Trump the president of the United States if 9-11 never happens? Uh, tell me where you're going with that. That's interesting. I feel like 9-11 brought a, a, a level of fear that we've never had in this country before. Oh, I see what you're saying. And I think after 9-11, everyone kept repeating, we can't let this change us, and then it completely changed us. It seems like we became a more guarded and scared kind of nation a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think, I think Trump would have happened regardless, because here's, here's the weird kind of cool perspective I got. I was not a never-Trumper from the beginning. The same people who voted for Trump voted for me. The same people who voted for Trump have listened to me on the radio for the last seven years. I know why they voted for Trump. These are people living in the middle of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Wisconsin who are scared because life is changing like this. And they want to blame the brown person. They want to blame uh, the fact that their jobs are leaving. They want to blame China. They're looking for somebody to blame. 
and Trump comes along and says, I'll blame this person. So I, I think that was going to happen no matter what. We were ripe for a demagogue. You sound like a liberal Democrat. I hate to say no, that. No! God, no. <laughs> yes, he does. He no, I don't. don't. You need to get no. in on the issues. Don't let him get he's not Don't let Jeff get away with that. that. You should be packing right now. I'm big guy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's good. Right, you're in the wrong state. No, now. I just... It, well, no, here's what... This is... Uh, Jeff, okay, jerk. I would rather have a socialist in the White House than a dictator. Yeah, I get it. That makes me a conservative. Right. I fear... An authoritarian. That's why I'm a conservative. I, I, I'd rather have Bernie in there fighting for free college. I don't agree with free college. Right. Could Bloomberg pick off enough Republicans to – do you think he gets fiscally conservative, socially liberal people in states? Of yeah, here's, here's what I know. For every Democrat listening to us right now, if Amy Klobuchar or Joe Biden or Michael Bloomberg is the nominee, they automatically win. Do you really feel that way? Yeah. I'm going to tell you my problem with Biden. Biden and I, both University of Delaware graduates, I love Joe Biden. I love Joe Biden. Didn't know that. I love Joe Biden. And in, in fact, I'll tell you something that bothers me before I tell you my what? problem. I hate, like, this is what I can't stand. When I, like, Joe Biden, say what you want about him. Like, a nice guy. A, a legitimately guy. nice human being. Good man. And a decent human being. And seeing people like Lindsey Graham, oh. who know him, who like him, who have shared moments with him. All you got to see are the videos of Joe Biden swearing in Republican senators when he was VP. And just the graciousness and decency and like, hey, Marco, how's your son? You yeah. know, I can't believe all these people siding with Trump over like someone they're actually friends with and knows a decent human being. It's really pathetic. It hurts me, what, actually. It, it should, Jeff. What Lindsey Graham has done, and he wouldn't do it if John McCain were still alive. It, it, there's something there's something serious going on there with Lindsey. Because yeah. Lindsey and Biden were close. I know. I mean, close. Yeah. What was the point oh. you were making? To use, since you seem to like sports metaphors here, right. I feel like um, Biden is a pitcher who used to throw 98 and he's hanging out at 74. Fine. Fine. <laughs> have him, ha, uh, put him in for the first three or four innings because Biden then, Joe, Jeff, Biden says, I'll serve one term. Here's my VP, Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams or whatever. Right. That would be dynamite. But Biden has to say, I'm only going to pitch the first four innings. I'm only serving one term. Right, how does Sanders? How does Sanders possibly win when I can't see a single Republican voting? They won't. Energy again. Remember, there are more people in this country who oppose Trump than support him. Bernie, for Bernie to win, he's got to get all of these people out to vote who typically don't vote. Young people, uh, low-income people, people of color. All all these other constituencies, and a lot of people on the left who've just turned off. Bernie's got to get them out to vote. If he gets them out to vote, he'll win. It's can, a different pool of people. Can an openly gay man win an election? Oh, God, it'd be, it'd be an asset. I got a lot of shit eight years ago when I said, I think one of the reasons Barack Obama won was because he was black. It was a cool thing. Right. I'm a white dude. We talked to plenty of white people who loved the fact. Yeah. So I think voting for Pete, it would become an asset. Absolutely. It's part of who he is. Could a small town mayor be a... Is that a transition one could make, do you feel like? Uh, all bets are off. Look who's in the White House now. And, and by the way, Obama didn't have a lot of experience either. I think experience is out the window. I think most Americans are sick of both political parties. They're sick of the establishment. It's why Bernie and Trump are like the two most popular politicians around right now. Is it? So, you, I mean, you obviously served in Congress. You're from Obama state. Yeah. I wonder when you were, like, it feels like oftentimes 
politicians in a way are kind of playing us in that they throw us the red meat. We get really angry and behind the scenes, they're not actually as nearly as oh, bad totally. as we are. Totally. And I wonder like you're from Illinois, I'm from Illinois. When you were in it, when you're hardcore in it, did you have a genuine hatred of Obama? Was it, do you know what I mean? Like, were you like, I freaking hate this guy? Or are you like, oh, he's a decent guy. I just disagree with him. Um, I let my, it was more that, but I let my, my, my conservative world uh, provocativeness and my disgust for a lot of his policies turn it into hatred on occasion. Right. But I, I didn't, I don't know Obama. I never knew him. Um, and I, I, I would let it get personal and I never should have. You ran against Tammy Duckworth, right? So I won in 2010 right. and then they redistricted me. All right. They that. drew a district for her, Got it. but I decided to take that on and I lost. So when you run against someone, oh. same kind of question, do you build up a hatred for that person? And then does it end when their election's over? Does it end or do you still have that? It's, it's, it's hard not to have it. Sure. Yeah, because, like, um, she was a darling. I mean, yeah. you know, war hero lost both legs, and I had to run against that. And so you develop, like, an, a resentment because nobody would ever say a bad thing about her, and they said bad things about me. But you got to learn to put it away. I'll tell you what, Jeff. The best thing Trump's taught me is to change my M.O. I mean, I used to be the son of a bitch, the angry young man. Watching Trump these last three years, I, I, I don't engage in that kind of thing anymore at all. Wait, how do you run against someone like a Tammy? That's a tough, I mean, that's a tough, she came in, she was a vet, she was disabled, she blah, 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 blah. They blah. drew a district for her and they dared me to run against her. No other Republican would. Uh, I mean, I, I did because she always gets defensive uh, with, for me. She's always got my back. I was the only Republican in Illinois who would challenge her. And it was, it was the most difficult thing I've done prior to this. So when the election ends, I'm always fascinated by this. There's obviously, there's a phone call, right? Is it sincere? Like, if you yeah. saw her now, would you be like, hey, blah, blah, blah? Or would oh. you be like, to hell with you? you know, blah, blah. No, God, no. I'd love to. I'd love to see her now. I'd love to sit down with Barack Obama. And I hope to do this in, over the next year or two and have a cup of coffee with him and apologize for some of the things I've said to him and just have a conversation with him. I'd love to do the same thing with Duckworth uh, because I think... I mean, we're at a dangerous point right now, right? Yeah. And and it's going to take people on both sides, I think, to pull us back a little bit. Is there any of this that you enjoy? Like, I know it's obviously a passion project for you, everything, the book and speaking out and sort of you've you found in Trump something that you just, you can definitely coalesce people from different sides to sort of join this, this right. movement. Is there any part of this that you sort of relish? Like, is, there, is, there, is it oh, fun? I love, no, I love the fight. I mean, you know, I'm a big gun guy and you're not. I got to work on you on that issue. (laughs) I love to grab my musket and to fight for what I believe in. I love to be in front of people. I love to inspire people. I love to move people. That part of the process I love. I, uh, I love American history. I believe in reincarnation. I think I lived during the revolution. I'm just in love with the history of this country. And that kind of shapes why I get so wrapped up in what I do. You were a social worker, right? Yeah. That's an amazing transition. A a Republican do-gooder. Well, it's kind of interesting. My wife is a social worker, a long-time social worker. And don't take this the wrong way. She would always say, how how is someone a Republican and a social worker? She just like, how is someone a Republican and a social worker? Because, and I love that question, because 
I'm a Republican or conservative because I don't believe it's government's job to take care of people who are less fortunate than me. I believe it's my job. So my philosophy is government's not going to take care of that young, poor black man on the south side of Chicago. I'm going to. So I would get involved in my own organizations to do it. But do most people share that? No, God, no. Totally a minority. But I mean, that was that's what drove me. Yeah. Like I felt it's my job. It's the private sector's job to help. That's why I wanted to help. The Koch brothers are incredibly philanthropic. Oh, now you're killing me. (laughs) I know you're right in some ways. No, I'm saying, but but most people who are conservative, listen to me, don't get involved in these professions. There are wealthy conservatives who give money to various things. But Jeff's point is, if you're if you're a a hardcore conservative like me, you're not a teacher or social worker. And I would argue also that his Catholic upbringing, that his mother, his Catholic upbringing had a huge influence as well. Second time around, oh, I, married, nice. I married a Jewish <laughs> Wait, you're Jewish? Yeah. Jeff, I know. I nice. Second time around, I finally he got it right. He saw the light, literally. We <laughs> went to Israel this summer. I'm going to retire and die in Israel. Are you really? Oh, He's you bet, you bet. He's got 42 spots located. I'm the one Jew who hasn't been. And I'm yeah. in New York. And my son just had his bar mitzvah last week. And we oh, my Nicholas. God. Shame on you. You have to go. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Well, and you'd love it. I know. When I know. you're done with this book, you... I'll go to Israel. Yeah. I'll say Joe Sam him when we get to That's a riot. That's a riot. Very nice. So, it's 10 years from now. Is it? Is it possible, come days in, let's say a Democrat wins. First say Democrat wins. Whoever it is. Let's hope. Okay. Democrat wins. Can this just all feel like a really bad dream of four years and 10 no. years from now we're kind of rolling along again? No. I, uh, this, this great thing we call America, and don't get mad at me, I think it's busting at the seams. I really do believe the country is almost too big and diverse to stay together. Um, we're out here in L.A. right now. Uh, we're, I'm from the Midwest. The average person in L.A. and I probably don't agree on damn near anything. I really think America is busting up a little bit. I'm going to tell you why I disagree with you. Tell me. I really mean this. Sincerely. I find you on Twitter. I'm like, fuck this guy. I probably write something and you're like, fuck that guy, right? I mean, serious about this, right? You would read me on Twitter. You're like, fuck this guy, blah, 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 t- blah, 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 typical liberal, blah, blah, be like, oh, this asshole conservative. I still maintain we sit down in a room, as we're doing right now. We disagree on guns, but so? Like, big deal. I bet we could even agree on some areas with guns, right? Whatever, a five-day yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, like, yeah. abor- I just think abortion is a great example. I'm pro-choice. I'm steadfast pro-choice. But I get why people are pro-life. Like, I understand why so-and-so thinks it's murder. Like, I get it. I just think we actually can. Now I sound like I'm making a political stuff. No, this is I do really believe this. I think most people, if they sit down in a room... You're not going to agree on everything. It's like Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter once said, you can agree, you can disagree agreeably. That's what Gerald Ford said. I saw him in a, him and Jimmy Carter did a sit down with Tim Russell. That's cool. That's cool. He said, agree, disagree agreeably. And they became best friends, Ford and Carter. And Carter beat him in the election. Yeah. I just think like we can, people are, when you sit down with someone you disagree with and you talk, usually you don't leave screaming. You actually understand their point of view and you can say, I don't agree with it, but I understand, I get it. You know what I mean? I, I buy a lot of that. Okay, tell me what you No, 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 Jeff, I really do. Yeah. And and you're giving me hope, and that's a big part of what I want to do moving forward is doing that kind of you thing. You should have had me as a running mate. Man, yes. we could have been there. Huh? Yeah. Hey, it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Had to be a woman. <laughs> um, 
if you were a Jewish woman, it'd be in black. My wife is available, huh? But I, 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 I think that like, and maybe it's not you and I, but I think we really disagree on kind of some real core values on what it means to be American. Give me an example. Let me flip. Let me give you this. Okay. Like a Europe, the whole EU, yeah. trying to put Europe together as one country in essence. Right. Can't be done. Probably France, not. Germany, Italy, the UK. Well, if you were starting America right now, no freaking way. If you were starting sure. America right now, would you make us one country? I agree. No way. Right. Indiana, California, San Francisco, Texas. There's no way we'd be one country. Oh, Come man. on. Wait, but here's something I'll say to you, though. What? I actually think when people are like, the government is broken. Like, you know that. The government is broken. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, 330 million people live in America. If you think about it, in many ways, you can argue the opposite. Like, considering the diversity of this country, the vastness of this country, it actually operates somewhat seamlessly. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Considering the number of people here, that it actually works. Except our our roads are falling apart. We're twenty four trillion in debt. I mean, I could but go otherwise. on and on. I mean, I mean no, I, no, I, I, I get your point. It's a ama- but the average empire historically lasts two to three hundred years. Yeah, it were two minutes left in the fourth quarter, big fellow. So you then what do? happens? You're down two touchdowns. What are you going to do? Well, I just want to say for the record, what I live in California. I'm a Jewish liberal guy. If California became <laughs> its own country, if California became its own country, you're gonna uh, eat. You're gonna yeah. You dominate. Uh, I'm okay. okay. Yeah. We already have like the whatever well, world's twenty fourth biggest economy. I'm like, eh, it's okay. But I don't not, want that. I'm but not everything's good about California. I mean, there's some things about sure, California of course, that of piss course. you off, right? I mean, the gas is really expensive. <laughs> like traffic is bad. But wait, before you give me an issue, like what is an issue you and I fundamentally would not agree on? I mean, guns, I guess. Well, I okay, so the Second Amendment. Okay. I have a right to carry a gun wherever I want to carry a gun to so protect. Think school? Any, anywhere to protect me and my own. Right, that's a toughie for me. Anywhere. I'm trying to think of another one. Um, I don't – right now in America, you don't have a right to health care. You'd have to change our concept of rights. You probably believe we have a right to health care, don't you? I mean, I would like everyone to be able to afford health care. That's different. And that's different. I would like everyone to be able to afford healthcare, reasonable healthcare, because too many people can't. I guess I think, Jeff, like like our founders believed, and I still believe, that we didn't turn toward, they never would have envisioned a government this big. Well, they would never have this many people to even think about. Yeah, but they, they believe, you, and you know the debate back then, it was all about the states. Sure. And they never wanted this big federal government. And now we've, we've like passed that Rubicon. Now we've got the federal government doing everything. Uh, I so you said, I put, so you're in favor of a smaller federal government, right? Absolutely. Okay, I don't know if I am or not, but I feel like it's an interesting conversation. So what I'm saying is, like, even guns, right? I still feel like if you were like, I should be able to carry my gun everywhere, which you're saying, yeah. And I say, okay, how about at least though we extend the waiting period and do thorough background checks to make sure you're not on the terrorism watch list. This is an example. Yeah, you could probably. Get you to side over a little on that, right? There, there could be some around the edges there. I'm trying to think. You got me thinking, though, Jeff. Is there any other fundamental? Are you pro-life? Yeah. All right, so I'm pro-choice. But I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what the answer yeah. is. Well, I just think people can disagree on that. I don't know. Like, I don't want government to do anything about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because if, if government all of a sudden tomorrow outlawed all abortions, half the country would riot. Yeah. So I don't want... 
maybe you big jerk. Maybe you're raising a good point. Is there a is there a fundamental American principle that you and I disagree on? I just feel like you should be running this podcast, and I should have run for president. <laughs> and this would have been freaking. <laughs> we've we've have we ever oh, an idea. we've <laughs> never had a Jewish president. We have not. Hey, you know my uh, mom used to always say there will be a. Black president, which her husband now, yeah. a gay president, yeah. before a Jewish president, because people have a distrust in this country of Jews. Well, actually, it's a, your mom was very clairvoyant and prescient because there is an ugly anti-Semitism oh, yeah. that still rears itself. On both sides. Oh, sure. Sure. I wasn't even thinking sideways. I just think across America, oh, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. There is. Well, look at Europe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. horrible. And it'll come out with. I, that's and weird though but we'll have a we'll probably have a black president and a gay president before a female president which is weird I would say I don't oh know we have Obama so that's done you're saying you think you think Buttigieg has a better chance before Amy Klobuchar she's not really polling very well no she's not polling very well uh, interesting I don't are you I'm not a big Bloomberg fan I just want to win the damn election I'm not a big Bloomberg fan either I lived in New York he extended there were term limits and he just he, killed he, it. He made himself a king. Yeah, seriously. There are a lot of people afraid of Bloomberg. But I just, I just, I'm kind of like you. If I, we just need to win the Whoever election. it is. Whoever it is. Just need to win. If Romney said tomorrow, I'm going to be a Democrat. I'm going to be a pro-life, pro-gun, you, you Democrat. Over Trump, I would. In a heartbeat. Over Trump, I would. Yeah. Because I'm with you. Guys, just a freaking demagogue, a sociopath, and a freaking psycho. But that's what a lot of Republicans did in 2016. They said, "We don't care who it is. If it's Trump, we want Trump. Right. We don't care. We want. We don't want Hillary." So if you do that with Bloomberg, you, the thing is this: this just comes from personal experience. As I mentioned, I wrote a book about this league where Trump was an owner. Yeah, he's just a unique level yeah. of yeah. sinister. To- totally, like totally. a unique level of truly it's really true. diabolical. It's really true. Well, I don't think I don't think pick any other Republican on that stage. I would not say that about him. I never thought that about Bush, even though I disliked him as a president. I certainly didn't think that way of Obama. He's you unique. and I, you and I dif- disagree politically. We probably both think Ted Cruz is creepy, and I do. Yeah. But I would never say that he's an unpatriotic no. American. See, Jeff's Donald. No. We've never had this. Yeah. All right, I thought Dick Cheney was kind of diabolical. You probably liked him, but not. Right? No, no, I didn't. I had yeah. a lot of problems. With it. I'm a big non-interventionist. But I would vote for Cheney over Trump in a second's time because I. It's not that I thought he didn't care about America. I just thought he was wrong in his viewpoint. There's a difference. Yes, there is. You're talking about a guy who told George Stephanopoulos last summer, of course I'd dig up dirt on my opponent from a foreign. Nobody else would ever do that. No. This is a a level we've never seen. All right, so I, um, do you guys have to go? No. No. I I was a, I wrote a book years ago about Barry Bonds, San Francisco Giant Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds is the worst athlete I've ever covered in my life. Go ahead. Why? He was just an asshole of major proportions. Did they give you free food? Like if you, uh, they had to buy, but they had the wine bar downstairs. With the, yeah, uh, I was going back to uh, you. Sure you don't yeah, no, I'm good. I swear. This is um, avocado tempura. I hope oh my God, you guys are so liberal California. No, no, I ordered Wait, the calabar. They're eating <laughs> avocado. Aline. Oh, there's the I don't eat avocado. Get my gun. Get my gun. Aline, where's my gun? <laughs> oh my God. It's avocado tempura, but they gave me the wrong stuff. With it. Oh no, the calabar Continue with Barry Bonds. So Mary Bonds is the worst guy I've ever covered. He was just a mean-spirited guy. He treated everyone like crap in the Giants clubhouse. Everyone. Wow. He's the kind of guy I always, yeah. I always used to say, like, you judge someone. The best way to judge someone is how they treat the people that they don't have to be nice to. Absolutely. And that's how he treated everyone poorly. And But what he did, the, the reason he survived so long is because he just walked over everyone, right? And he just, if you walk over people, if you walk like you belong everywhere, generally, people are not going to get in your way. 
And Trump reminds me of Bonds in that way. Like what he does is he just walks over you and he walks like he belongs. And then no one's going to, no one's going to stand up. There are smarter people, bigger people, stronger people, better looking people, more educated people. And they all cower because he walks like he belongs everywhere he goes. It's a crazy thing. But it's the Barry Bonds and he's willing to go to court for hours and days and years and dollars and dollars and dollars. People just say, you know, this isn't worth it anymore. They stop. Do you think, Jeff, do you think even if he loses, do you think he'll ultimately, this will all catch up with him? I do. I do too. Because right? New York. It's going to go after him. They hate. I mean, they he's hate hated him. in New York. He's been hated in New York for years and years. You know, he kicked, he fought to kick, kick uh, homeless vets off of the street in front of Trump Tower. Like the number of things he's done, the veterans alone. I'm amazed that the way he treats military leaders. I do think one thing the Democrats, tell me if you disagree. Huh. I mean, he's basically like, he's turned the Democrats into like cats chasing a beam. And they really need to pick like three issues. And No, I don't know. Maybe there are three. Are there three issues you would like just hammer him on repeatedly? Well, A, I'd make the whole election about Trump. Sure. You wouldn't make it about yourself, you'd make it about him? If I were a Democrat, I'd, I'd be saying everything I said on this podcast. Do you want four more years of this? There's one fucking question in front of you. Right. Do you want four more years of a lawless individual in the White House? That's it. And then I'd walk off the stage. Period. That's the only... Uh, you disagree with Would me? Would you drop the mic and do it? Or drop the mic. <laughs> Jeff, that's <laughs> that's the only question that matters. You have a criminal in the White House. You want four more years of it? God bless you. Yes or no? I think more people need to be more spoon-fed. Uh-uh. They need more reason to vote for you than... The clarity here is stark. We've never had it like this. Uh, I'm going to ask you a loaded question huh. that as a politician you would nev- never answer probably. Oh, that's right. What? Are the vast majority of Americans just not that smart? Um, like when you run for an office, you're required to say the American people are sophisticated, right? You have to say that. Shit, we've grown fat, lazy, and stupid. He's been saying that on the radio. I've been saying on the radio for six oh, yeah. years, Jeff. I, I said that in my town halls when I was in Congress. The American people have grown fat, lazy, and stupid. Um, my favorite founding father was Jefferson. Mm. And Jefferson always said it takes two to tango. The people we send to Washington have to represent us, but the represented have a job too. And that's to stay informed and engaged and educated. The American people are not doing their job. Did that? Did something bring that about? Do you feel like, was there a point, a tipping point where we just became dumb? Um, we, we, uh, life got good. Yeah. Uh, we gained prosperity. We got soft. Um, the Kardashians started appearing. The Kardashians started appearing. <laughs> That's it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we got soft and we got cushy and we yeah, look at the way our your grandparents and my grandparents' generation lived, okay? Yeah. Uh, they had to stay informed and engaged. Life's gotten too easy. Life was tough. Life's gotten too easy. Even grandparents' So we're not doing our job. How the hell else can you explain a guy like Donald Trump in the White House? We're not paying attention. Do you think he just put us all to sleep in a way? No, I think his election, The uh, if the American people had done their homework, here's the fun, you talk about Trump's past. He was like the least vetted candidate for president ever. Yeah. The Republicans gave him a pass, Ted Cruz and all the rest. They all had huge oppo on him, the stuff you've got. They never used it because they didn't want to alienate his supporters. They didn't think he was going to win. And then it was too late. So he never got vetted in the Republican primary. If Jeb Bush ran with half a spine, 
half a spine, he'd probably be present right I now. I say that's more it. They all had the Apple research, but they weren't fighters the way he was. They were so they, soft. They were soft, and that's exactly what he used to say about Well, them. it was a weak party, which is why he won so easily. And then Hillary comes along. And she picks, first of all, she picks the safest, lamest vice presidential. Because she thought she was going to Yeah. Win. She picked a coaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. She she thought she had a lead. She went into her prevent D. Yeah. This, cool. is a, this, is, this is a fight in my house between me and my wife. I always say, my wife. Loves Hillary. Loves Hillary. And then the day Hillary got lost, I've never seen her more de- truly devastated. And it. I think it's a Jewish female thing. I swear to God, there were so many. Movies. She's also liberal, and she like she likes Hillary. You know, there are reasons to like it. Hillary's oh, yeah, an yeah. intelligent woman. Yeah, and like Very accomplished. To say she's accomplished, and she was painted to be more devilish than she really like. I just right. She's not. She's not Satan. Hillary Clinton is not Satan. I know, like whatever. Maybe you think you're being quiet, which no. I respect. I'm just saying. No, like, I agree with you. Compared to Trump, she's not Satan. Not like, even close. I don't think she hates America or wants no, America. No, not even. No, right. God no. And when she went, yeah. no, I <laughs> agree. It, it so goes, I can tell he's married to a Jewish woman because he's. I am. I am. <laughs> no, it goes back to what Jeff said ten minutes ago. Trump is in a league by himself. Yes. Even the politicians. You wrote about this in your book. Yeah, you're like Bill Clinton is closer to Trump than to whoever it was Ben Franklin or whoever. But like, oh no, than Lincoln. Yeah. He's closer to Trump than Lincoln, but he's not that close to Trump. You're you like, and I. A year before that election, you and I could have sat Hillary down in a room and said, "I would have said." Hillary, just fucking smile and have fun. Yeah. You have one drawback. People don't think you're likable. Spend the next year drinking beer and just having fun but with But some people. people just are not naturally charismatic or likable. Like her she husband. She's not. Yeah. He's very charismatic. Bill Clinton is very charismatic. Yeah. Hillary Clinton is not charismatic. Right. She's probably smarter than he is, but she's not charismatic. Well, which goes to how dumb we are as a people. We need to be entertained. We need to be excited by an Obama or by a Trump or by... I feel like Trump has figured that out to his credit. Oh, totally. People want to be entertained more than they want to be informed. They just want to be entertained. That's amazing. That's actually amazing. I think about that all the time. I'm glad you said that. You had great Democrat candidates this year who were boring. Yes. A guy like Michael Bennett, who I liked. Great guy. The best candidates are gone. Gone. They're all gone. They're the all best gone. candidates are John Hickenlooper was a big state yes. governor. Yes. A, kind of a brainiac. Jay Inslee. Big state. Same thing. Right? All boring. It's crazy. How sad is that? And and Amy Klobuchar, I think, is boring. But, yep. And she's not as high up in the polls, but she could be a great... Yeah. And what, is, what is Pete Buttigieg? I mean, he's... Is he boring or exciting? No, he's a thing. Some people see him as an ex-Obama and some people don't. I'm not sure. You say no. He's a thing, but he's per- he's wicked smart. He's wicked smart. He's boring, and he's it keeps changing his views depending upon which way the political. I don't know what he is politically. I thought on paper Kamala Harris was like dynamite. I did too. But her problem was nobody knew who she was. Also, she had her sister running her campaign, which is never a good thing. Wait, let me ask you this: being serious, Budizic is the nominee. Yeah, and it is. Um, my phone's listening to me, and if he accepts a nominee. He accepts the nomination. Buddhist yeah. accepts the nomination. His husband comes on stage. I don't have any places to show. <laughs> They're all the Trump is listening. He wins a nomination. He's on stage. His husband comes out. They kiss on stage. If you're like his advisor, are you saying, listen, your husband should come out and you should hug on stage, but you cannot kiss? Blah, 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 blah. Nope. 70% of the American people will be fine with it and yeah. share it. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's an asset, just like Obama being black was an asset. Absolutely. Is that the biggest social change you've seen in New York time 
uh, in political life is the gay rights issue. Well, yeah, because think about it, Jeff. It was only 12, 15 years ago, Obama opposed same-sex marriage. I mean, this thing went like this. And we talk about the average Trump supporter out there. I know these people. Their heads are spinning. That's why they turn to Trump. My God, uh, like in a, in a, in overnight, anybody can marry anybody. Overnight, we got 63 different genders out there. Right. Overnight, I got my granddaughter showering in high school with this guy. I mean, it, it just all happened so quick. Right. And they feel, here's so someone like, who like, represents 1950 They're ticked off. Huh? They're ticked off. Well, but, yeah. but it's confusing yeah. to them. And along comes Trump, who might bring back 1957. Which is, I know. To get to the. I know. Which is, I know. In. He's a. He was a Hillary supporter from New York. It's insane. It is in. I could see Mitt Romney standing there and you being like, this is my guy. He's a con man. Yeah. And enough of the American people fell for his con. He's a pussy. Uh, he's never worked a day in his life. No. Nope. He's not a guy's guy. He's a draft dodger. Five times. Uh, Five deferments. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this. It's crazy. It's just crazy. And he's machismo in America to the far right. He's machismo. Oh, they love him. We've got we've got some friends who are you know electricians. Oh, and when he showed up at the NASCAR at the oh, oh man. And they'll send him tweets in Texas. These people have disowned me. Fuck you. You don't know what you're a loser. you got to get on the Trump train. They don't care what he does or what he says. And see, Bloomberg won't be able to pull that off. Bloomberg can't come across as a a kind of He's a 5'7 Jewish New Yorker. I can say that. He's a 5'7 soft-spoken, effeminate Jewish New Yorker. And he speaks like an effeminate Upper East Sider. But the thing he can say is, you're a bullshit billionaire. I'm a real billionaire. I earned my money. You earned your money by ripping people off. Bingo. You had a fake university. Bingo. His ads are great. His ads are great. I don't understand why other Democrats haven't taken that rug. You know, take the baseball bat. Uh, That's, if I had had money in the Republican primary, because that's what I did every day, I just didn't have money. You got to pound him. You got to call him out for the fucking coward he is. They were all trying to stand out amongst from one another. And, and Bloomberg has God's but I, but I think this and that. No, nah, but they, they missed it. They, they, if I were a Democrat running for president from day one, I would have said this is all about Trump. But you period. The, you don't think the Democrats would have been saying, okay, so yeah, no. why should we why should we vote for you versus all the Democrats? Yeah, ask Elizabeth Warren. She gets down in the weeds on Medicare for all right. and it cost her. That don't get down in well. the weeds. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, because she didn't really have it. Uh-uh. Let me ask you a final question hmm. for this podcast. Um... He's a good guy. Am I? Um, for a Jewish liberal from New York? <laughs> he asked good intelligent um, questions. How did you, all right, number one, how do you absorb, because this is one thing I get and I've always struggled with, but certainly not to the level you've surely had, like the hate, uh, you know, you probably got some death threats or at least like, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, how do you absorb those? How do you take those? Did you learn to deal with them? What was the worst you got? Um, I've had it for 10 years. It's gotten progressively worse. Uh, any of the real serious threats you report, but otherwise, Jeff, I just ignore everything. Do you read your timeline on Twitter? No. You don't read I, I can't. I do. I, oh. She does. I'm trying to wean her off of it. Stop it. I do not thank you, Jeff. I do not read a comment. I do not look at mail. I, I don't look at anything. I'd be dead if I did. I just can't. You just have the wherewithal not to 
I don't have, like, my problem is hmm. I don't have that. Like, I have to look. Why? Because I'm soft. No, oh, you shouldn't, Jeff. <laughs> he's, he's a New York Jew. I'm a New York Jew. <laughs> yeah. You're an Illinois Jew. Illinois We're Jew. soft. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, I always say he's like a duck. He believes so firmly in what he's doing and why he's doing it that he says it doesn't matter what they say. I so believe in what I'm doing. But I'm also an Irish Catholic kid who came from nine kids, and my dad always fifth told me. Fifth and nine, right? Yeah, fifth and nine. Yeah. It's not about you. It just it, it, ignore what people say. Don't talk about you. Just do what you need to do. And you don't even think about it. I just, I'd be dead if I read comments about me. Well, I will say some of the, so we have a couple of friends, people who have eaten at our dining room table, whose homes we've stayed at, who really have been awful that hurts. and nasty. And I think that's hurt him. He's been, you've been I've lost some good us. friends. Without naming names, I'm not looking at What's like the worst? Like what's something that's kind of been a blow that like you're just like, no. Uh, one guy, what did he say? He wrote, um, and this guy's eaten at our dining room table. He was just at my birthday party at the end of July. He said, if you had been shot and I, if I had to, I, across the street, I'd walk over and I'd piss on you. This was a really good friend. Love dad. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's been hearing from really. Wait, a true friend, someone you were no, 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 considered Jeff, a friend? Jeff, this is a really this good. This was a good, we said this is a, politics. This is a good friend of mine. Yeah. Who said, I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire in the street. That kind of thing from, and combined with friends of mine who have just, won't even talk to me because I challenged Trump and family members who want nothing. I mean, it's just, that's crazy. It, yeah, but it's okay. Plow ahead. I don't know about family members. Is there a family well, family members who don't even like say, Hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, Cause yeah. they just, it's, it wigs them out that I did what I did. It's just too much. It's like too much attention. You're challenging Trump and your face is going to be on CNN and, but it's more it's more the, the 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 friends, the good friends who said, I'm fucking done with you. One thing that really hit me is like that hit me in a, in a sad way, the way you guys are sort of looking at me right now, is when Romney gave his statement why he was voting to impeach, right? And he talked about his morality yeah. and he talked about his religion. <laughs> and then he's mocked and ridiculed for it. And I exactly. thought it was so profound and so decent, whether you agreed with him or disagreed with him. Well, you just had to hear him and be like, wow, this is a principled man. And nope, nope, this, we're just going to savage him, just like everyone else. And something has changed in that regard. Um, that was really, really sad. And the other really, really sad event of the last few weeks was when Trump in the East Room a couple weeks ago, after he was acquitted, he did his little chest thumping and he took shots at everybody. And there were a couple hundred Republicans in that room who cheered him. Oh, yeah. When he like... Crazy. And then Trump at the prayer breakfast who oh, insulted Pelosi oh, and, and people applauded him. Why wouldn't you believe she prays for you? Like, why is that so hard to believe that she prays? I actually believe her. Uh, I'm not like the biggest Pelosi fan. Like, I believe Pelosi. Jeff, I totally believe her. Why would she lie about that? Why would she make that up? He has to denigrate anyone who says anything negative about him. But again, it's not Trump. The fact that a right. couple hundred people in that East Room laughed... When he attacked people. Right, so this is one thing that, this keeps going on, but I, mm. I think it's, I just think it's just like, I have two, two little kids, young kids, high school and middle school, and you teach them from a young age not to bully. That's right. one of the principal right. things you teach your kids. Right. And you hope it sticks. Right. And what I really just am blown away by is how many people love lining up behind the bully. And, 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 and you're actually opposing the bully. 
and so few people, it seems like people love lining up behind the bully. And not only that, they're bullies themselves now on social media. I know. I can't get over the number of women. And these are not children. These are 50, 60, 70-year-old people, men and women, who will say the nastiest things to him and even to me because we don't agree with Donald Trump. It's crazy. It's, it's safe. It's safe to be behind a bully. Yeah. People are scared. People are scared. And, and Trump said... I'll punch the bad guy. And they don't want to let go of that. That's crazy. It's too bad. Hey, Jeff, this has been fun. Yeah, listen. You guys are great. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I want to meet your wife. You know what, when you want to meet your wife. My wife is great. I want to thank today's guest, Joe Walsh, for joining me on Two Riders Sling and Yang. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Walsh Freedom. And get involved in his movement at JoeWalsh.com. One can listen to Two Riders Sling and Yang on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And reviews are always appreciated. Music is by the terrific MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me. And remember, keep writing.